This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Good evening, welcome to Leicester Fan TV. It is Monday night, it's just about 7.30. If you're watching live, thanks for joining us. If you're watching this on playback on YouTube or Facebook, wherever you're watching it, thanks for joining us on the playback view as well tonight. We are joined by... Former Leicester City player James Scowcroft joined us in around 2001. Get your views in, get your questions in. What would you like to ask him? Anything you'd like to ask him tonight, get your views in, get your comments in. This is your Leicester City Fan Zone Show. Yes, as ever, I can get your comments on screen if you'd like to ask James anything. Sean is watching. Good evening to you. David Gavin is watching all the way in Ireland in Sligo Town. Never know if I say that right, David. Get my pronunciation right. Uh, Pete, good evening to you. Pete Hydes is watching, as is Imtiaz. Hope you're well, Imtiaz. Keeping safe. Uh, Mark Gatwood and Michael Geddes. Loads of people's Adam Greeny Green as well. Good evening to you as well. Get your views in. Get your comments in. And I compose them towards James. And let's bring in Jamie from the Fox's Arms. Good afternoon, Jamie. Good evening. It's evening here, Phil. I know I'm an hour ahead, but it's only it's just evening now. Well, it's still sunny here in Leicestershire, so... Come on, oh, Jamie. It's been, it's been all right today. It's not been too bad. Anyway, James Gocroft. He came from Ipswich in August of 01. Uh, Peter Taylor signed him for three million. He was the third signing of that season uh, with Ian Walker and, and Dennis Wise. Uh, we'll scoot over that one quickly. Uh, and then he was here for four years. He went to Ipswich on loan in the February and then we, we sold him to Coventry in the July of 05. He played 147 games and he scored... 28 goals. So I think we better get him on and start asking him some questions. Let's bring James Scowcroft in. Good afternoon to you. How are you? Good evening. I'm okay. How are you? I'm good. Apart from I think it's the afternoon for some reason and everybody else thinks it's <laughs> the evening. But yeah, good. Good, good, good. Thanks so much for joining us tonight, uh, James. It's a pleasure to have you on. Uh, Jamie, do you want to fire away with the first question? Yeah, I'll get the first one out of the bag. How, when, when you joined us, how did Peter Taylor get you uh, persuade you to leave Ipswich to come to Leicester? Um, 
good question, really. He, he, I've been at Ipswich a long time. I joined since I was a kid, actually. I was, um, you know, from a very, very young age. Um, and at Ipswich, we had, we had a really good side when, when I left as well. We just qualified for Europe. We, I think we finished fifth in the in the Premier League. So, um, But I was at an age where I thought it was time to, to move on. And I had, I had a few offers. Um, and I'd worked with Peter before, quite liked working with him before. And I, and I liked Leicester as a club as well. I, I thought Leicester was, you know, it was a really good established football club at the time in the Premier League. Um, and I knew a couple of the players there. And it just felt felt right to felt right to to join. So it didn't take you much time. It, was it a quick decision, or did you have to think about it? No, well, it it, it would sort of gone on and on a little bit, and there was a lot of you know, like every summer, a lot of sort of transfer rumours and news that might happen, could happen, and and this, that, and the other. Um, so I first got wind of it in January. Actually, it nearly sort of happened in the in the January that season, but it didn't. Um, but then in the summer, it started to pick up again. And, and ultimately, the decision was mine to, to leave. And uh, I came back pre-season. I think it was probably halfway through pre-season that uh, I said, yes, you know, let's let's go. Because you've been at uh, Ipswich since uh, 1994, haven't you? So you'd been there. Was that, I mean, it was the first professional club for you, James? Yeah, well, like I said, I'd, I'd actually joined probably about 87, 88 as a schoolboy and, and left school in 92, joined them. So I, I saw my first professional in 94 with them, but I've been there probably uh, five years before that. Uh, and and it, listen, Ipswich was a fantastic club at the time. You know, we'd, we'd got promoted, we'd then just qualified for Europe, we had a very good team. Um, but I just, players move on, you know, that that's, it happens at every club. It's uh, players and managers are the one uh, commodity that, that come and go at, at football club and it's my time to move on. Yeah, I brought Tom in. Tom, have you got a question? Yeah, I was going to say we've had quite a few players from that era come on, but there's one question I haven't asked any of them. What was it like to play and have Robbie Savage as a teammate at the football club? Because as a fan, when he was at the club, we loved him for his work rate and what he did. He was a pest when he left, as typical... <laughs> Nobody yeah. wanted to, you know, liked him, but what was he like as a teammate and to be on a pitch with him? Robbie was brilliant. Robbie was, I got close to Robbie. I roomed with him in my first season. I brought his house off him. Uh, <laughs> That's pretty close. Yeah, That's close he, enough. He, he probably ripped me off a little bit. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he, he was brilliant. He, he was an excellent character on and off the pitch. And what he did do, Probably only a couple of players that I've seen it. He gave everything he did, literally everything on the pitch. He, had. he, he was one that you you love to have in your corner. Um, he'd wind people up. I saw him cause no end of problems on a pitch in and around the training ground. You know, so opinionated, but he, he, he was a really good lad and he was a very good player, actually. Probably didn't actually get the credit he probably deserved for, for being a good player. I've got a question here from Brad Lingard. He says, while you were at Leicester, James, you did play under a, a few managers. Can, can you remember all the managers you played under? But his question is, who was, who was the best manager you played under? Um, good question. It, it was came under Peter Taylor. Peter didn't last long. Um, I knew he was under pressure when I joined. So I think he went probably in October. Dave Bassett came in. Um, yeah, Dave was very experienced, tried to get the team organised. And then uh, Mickey came along. Mickey Adams was my main manager, actually. So probably had, out of the just under four years I was at the club, probably Mickey was manager for maybe three of those. Uh, and then I had Craig Levine a little bit, just at the end, really, but I didn't play that much football. And I actually quite liked Craig. I thought he was uh, very well organised. So I'd probably have to say Mickey, because Mickey was the main 
player manager I played under, really. So it'd be unfair to mention anybody else. Yeah, Jamie. I'm just going to say Ross has just put a comment up. It was who was the one player you wouldn't mess with down a dark alley? I think he's trying to ask who was the toughest toughest player at Leicester at the time. Um, there was a few actually. There was a few. Um, it was quite an old team when I when I joined. It was um, you know you could see that the club was going from transition from the Martin O'Neill age. Uh, See, so listen, you had people there that. You look at Jerry Taggart. Jerry was would run for a brick wall. Matt Elliott was another one. Um, Paul Dickoff might not have been six foot three, but he was another one that would you know white his corner any day, any day of the week. So I'd probably say Tags. Tags was Jerry was probably the hardest player there at the time. But there was a few of them. There, there was there was a um, they could be physical when they needed to be. It was a mixed a mixture of team. It certainly was in transition, wasn't it, Tom? Oh, massively. And you talk about the transition, you know, sadly after the first season, we got relegated to the old Division One at the time. Uh, but, you know, it probably rebuilt the club with the, the takeover, the administration. That couldn't have been an easy point for yourself being at a football club just under, under over, over 12 months. Uh, what was it like to be around the team with the administration and all that? But also two players that came into that team were Billy McKee and... Nicky Summerby, I think the other one who came in and yeah, played yeah. for free for three months. Yeah. Uh, two players that don't really get a mention that much in the, the teams, but they were very good quality players to bring in at the time. Yeah, they were. It, it was my first, um, probably longer, 15 months at the club was very, it was a roller coaster ride. And I'd come from a club that was very, um, very calm, very, uh, you know, really well organised behind the scenes. And there was lots going on at Leicester. Obviously, relegation is is one that's always tough to handle. There was a, the change from the ground, the old ground to the new ground, which doesn't always get a plan, but I thought at Leicester it did. I, I think Leicester's the one club where moving to a new ground, it's uh, so many clubs I see that probably never really are the same and it takes them a long time to... I, I don't, don't think that happened at Leicester. I thought the uh, the Walker Stadium was brilliant for the club. But that turned round, you know, and, and we soon... One of the reasons I joined Nesta was because it always had good support, always had fantastic away support. And that appealed to me because I knew that the club had a support base behind it that whatever happened would see the club through. And I remember the first season in the Walker Stadium, we got back promoted, which, you know, we should have done because we had the, the side to do it. But, you know, you get 30,000 every week. Um, and that just shows you the the... You know, how big the club was. The club surprised me actually how, how big it was. But eventually, like like you say, you know, we went into administration. We were one of the first clubs to go into it, so nobody really knew what was going to happen. And there's loads of rumours. But I, I think you make a good point. I think actually that transition needed to happen. And you know, Peter Taylor lost his job. But I think I think any manager managing that club at the time would have would have struggled to to take over from Martin O'Neill. He was taking over an old team, an old team that needed reinventing a little bit. Um, but eventually we turned it round and, you know, we got back into the Premier League and, and we should have stayed there, actually, with, with the quality we had in the squad. We, we, we shouldn't have gone down. I've got a couple of questions here from uh, a couple of fans for you, James. Uh, Mark Harrison says, what was your favourite moment at our club? And Mirko, who's watching in Holland, says, what was the highlight in your Leicester time? So can you pick out a, a particular highlight, a memory during your time at Leicester? Um, quite a few actually. People say this throughout my career. What was what was the one? I don't really have a one that moment in time. What I would say is a, maybe a period of time of that first season going into the uh, the Walker Stadium. 
hitting the ground running. You know, I remember the Watford game at home. It was sold out. The atmosphere was brilliant. Um, you know, winning, winning that game as well. And then slowly, you know, we, 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 we needed a good start. We got it. So I, I loved that promotion season back then. That was, that was great. I, I enjoyed the Premier League season as well when, um, you know, we, we, we came down and uh, should, have, should have done a little bit better, really. So I would say that sort of 12-month spell of, of the first season in the Walkers getting promoted and the, the first part of the Premier League, that, that sort of eight months was, was brilliant. You know, it's really, really enjoyable and, you know, I settled in quite well. Yeah, Tom? Yeah, I was going to say, you know, the promotion season back to the Premier League was a brilliant season. There were some highlights in there. The win at Coventry, you scored him. Billy McKee scored a yeah. stunning goal that game. But a standout game for me was travelling to Grimsby Town on a cold, wet Saturday, middle of the night, I think it was October, November time. Frank Sinclair got sent off for two yellow cards for having a go at the referee. And then a moment of genius by Muzzy, is it? How good a player and to play with Muzzy was he to, uh, on a pitch? Yeah, Muzzy was brilliant. You know, Muzzy was a was a very good Premier League footballer. So playing in in that league, it, it was too easy for him. Um, you know, that, and that goal that was right behind that cross, um, which obviously and the, the that that goal gets shown a lot at, at Grimsby. But I actually got the first goal that never ever gets shown. So it wasn't <laughs> <laughs> well, I need to, we need to look that up and play it tomorrow for you, James. It, it's not a classic, but I sometimes I show all the goals, but. Um, yeah. You know, Muzzy was a standout player. You know, he was brilliant. He was, you know, he loved Leicester as well. Um, a good pro as well. Off the, he had the ability, but he had the professionalism as well to, to go with it. Um, one, one game. There's probably one game. So we played Millwall at home, um, and we had a little bit of a rivalry with Millwall um, with the Dennis Wise issue, and uh, the away fans were banned from going. Um, and it was all, it, yeah, it was. It, it, it was. It was a little rivalry between the club. We beat Millwall at home four-one, and I scored two um, just before Christmas. Actually, I think it might be my son's uh, birthday that day as well. So that, that was a game where um, I think I think that was that was um, yeah because Millwall actually had a, a decent side around that time. I think it was probably the year they got to the cup final. So. Um, and I think we were then, it was us and Portsmouth. So that, that game sticks out. And then we went to Portsmouth away um, and it was absolutely throwing it down with rain. It should have been called off, but we won 2-0. Um, and I think I got the first goal, actually, and it was a nice sort of shot on the turn. Just little moments like that really stand out and that they were living with me for a long time. I've got a bit of a question here. It's a bit long-winded. It's from Simon Gimson. Uh, Jamie, do you know Simon? Yes, I do. Very well. Yeah, cool, I know then, what do he's you, on about. Go on, then you ask it. He sent, he sent me this to ask you. It was on Soccer AM a good few years ago with David Johnson, your ex-team, your ex-striker at Ipswich. And he says, you were well known for a love of tractors and farming stuff rather than the usual football football cars and everything. Is he lying or is he actually telling the truth? You preferred your tractors to your cars? I think you might be stretching his imagination a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> he's, um, he's a good friend of mine, David Johnson. We, we played a lot of, um, together at Ipswich. We played Forest. That season, I'm talking about actually, we drew 2 2 and he got an equaliser in the last minute, which was sickening at the time because it was um, obviously a big derby game. Um, but in the second half, he two footed me and it was one of the worst tackles of it. And he only got a yellow card for it. And I, I think I went out for something to eat with him that night. And I mean, <laughs> the next game after that, the tackle was that bad. So uh, probably, uh, I, I've never heard that before, but um, I'm just getting back to that. Uh, so that, uh, so David Johnson's not telling the truth though. It was about 12 or 13 years ago. Was Simon has grown up a little bit, yeah. <laughs> I've got a question uh, here. Another... Go on, Jamie. Sorry, go on. 
No, you go on, you go on, Phil. You ask yourself. Well, I was going to say, I've got a question from Dipak. Uh, Dipak says, who, which teammate, who was your, one of your favourite teammates at Leicester while you were there? Um, who did you get on best with, I guess? I tried try to get on with everyone, really. I was that kind of quite a laid-back person. And, um, you know, I still go to Leicester a bit now, actually, and keep in touch with Matt Elliott and a, a couple of others, which is good. Done a little bit of work. But I, I'm really close with Brian D. We, we roomed together for you know, a couple of years together whilst he was at the club and uh, still speak to Brian quite a bit, actually. Brian, Brian was a really good, um, you know, he was coming to, yeah, he had a great career and sort of coming to the end really and he gave great service to Leicester. So I, I was close to Brian. I was close to Robbie. You know, Robbie Savage was, I was close to him for the first sort of six months. But as soon as Robbie leaves, he forgets everybody and then, you know, goes off. <laughs> He's more strictly now, isn't he, doing his strictly come dancing, he does all that malarkey, doesn't he? Exactly. Too busy with his hair. Yeah. Jamie, go on. You were going to ask something. Right. Well, I was going to ask. You mentioned about your highlights and your period of times. I was at one of the games I don't think would have appeared in this. It was when we played Wolves away in October of 03. We were 3-0 th- we were up at half-time yeah. and we happened to lose 4-3. Yeah. I mean, what was it like being in the dressing room at half-time, being 3-0 up and then all of a sudden, at full-time, losing 4-3? It must have been disaster in the changing rooms, wasn't it? Yeah, that, that was probably a turning point to where that sort of team and that manager, et cetera, that went the other way. Um, we were 3-0 up. I, I nearly come off at half-time as well because I, I felt my hamstring and I thought, no, I'm 3-0 up here. We could win this five or six and might be able to get a couple of goals myself. Um, but it was sickening, it was. It was absolutely sickening. Um, they scored early on and, and just momentum, which can happen in football. Molyneux can be a, a good atmosphere. And he just scored two quick goals and that just momentum. We, we just sat so deep um, and it was coming and it was awful. That was a terrible defeat. Even even if we'd have drawn 3-3, you'd have come away thinking, we've thrown that away, but it's a good point. But to lose 4-3 was a real, you know, killer that was. Yeah, Tom? Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say there were some classic matches, but you, you go back to the point that you were one player that played at Filbert Street and played at the King Power, now King Power. Uh, what's it like to play at Filbert Street? You know, you've really got to play, you know, the fans are on top of you, the double-decker stands, you know, quite a menacing stand, I suppose, when you're running towards it. And then you've moved to the Walker Stadium at the time. Was there a different vibe between the players going there? Is it a different feel when you come out onto the pitch and see more of a bowl than, you know, three sides and a couple of cow sheds uh, in front of you? No, not, not really. I, I thought Filbert Street was brilliant as well. It, it was... You know the change rooms were lovely. The like the main stand was as good as any any stand, and the pitch was good. The crowd was good. Um, you know, obviously that that one stand opposite, but you know, we never never went there. So, um, so I, I found Phil was pretty good, and, and I think I was a top goal scorer actually overall. I, I, I had a real when I first came, I was in and out of the team with injury. I had some real niggling injuries, but. I remember scoring two against Chelsea. I think we drew two to, but we got beat three two. Zola might got a free kick in the last minute. Got a, a double against Mansfield in the FA Cup. Um, I, I quite enjoyed Football Street really, but like I say, we, it was because we got relegated, and I think the club was very nervous, thinking we spent a lot of money on this new stadium. This could go horribly wrong, but it, it actually went the other way. Yeah, Jamie. There's, there's a question from Rob Presler. I'm not sure you can get it. It was a few minutes ago. He's actually watching from Equatorial Guinea, wherever that is. God knows where that is. He was saying, who's your fa- your favourite strike partner you've played with? I don't think he means just at Leicester. I think he means in general or wherever you've played. Well, 
listen, my time at Leicester, I, I was I played a lot in midfield, in wide midfield as well, which I occasionally did in my career. Probably played more games there than what I did down the middle. So probably why my goal return could have been higher if I'd have played as a as a forward. Um, probably the, the best ball I had was playing with David Johnson at, um, at, at Ipswich. I think at Leicester, you know, we, we always had a decent centre forward. You know, we we you know, Brian Dean, as I mentioned, Paul Dickoff did a good stint, then had Les Ferdinand, um, Marcus Bent came along. So, so they, all, all of them were capable on their day, all, all of them. Yeah, absolutely. So hard to pick one out, really, from, from Lesser. I think it would be, be a bit unfair. I think Paul Dickoff had a very <laughs> good 18 months at the club where he went on our promotion season and uh, and the, the, the Premier League season. Tom? Yeah, I was going to say, so you've, you know, you come towards the end of your career and you've gone into coaching now, I think you're coaching at Ipswich Town, are you? Uh, did you know that was the kind of path you were going to go into, management, coaching side of it, or was it just something that happened? It just happened really. I don't actually coach now, unless I know it's on my um, Wikipedia. I've left Ipswich, left it a couple of um, years ago. I actually worked for Crystal Palace now in their recruitment department, okay. going all over Europe watching players, which I thoroughly enjoyed. I uh, did a little bit of work for Leicester a couple of years ago in a similar role as well, so... That's that's where I'm at in my life at the moment. So you're you're currently is it scouting then for new talent yeah. or is it young young talent on on no. the come or is it no sort of team level, first team level? So I do a lot of work abroad. It's you know recruitment departments at Premier League football clubs now are getting very very big. Uh, I think Sean St Ledger does a similar role at um, at Leicester um, at the moment. So you know that's what I've done for the last uh, sort of eighteen months. I really enjoyed it. I suppose everybody's looking for the next Riyad Mahrez or, or somebody like that in French <laughs> League 2, aren't they, James? They, they certainly are. So it's <laughs> not easy to find, but if you find one, you know, like I say, Riyad is, it was a brilliant signing from Leicester. Did you ever think, just, just bring things on to, obviously, the Premier League title win for Leicester, James, I, could you ever have imagined? I mean, when Ipswich, back in the day, came close several times as well, you know, back, you know, I'm thinking late 70s, 80s. Did you ever think a club like Ipswich or even a, a Leicester or somebody like that could go on and maybe upset the apple cart, James? Not not in modern day football, no. I, no. I, saw, I saw a few games at Leicester that season. I was there when Bardi beat Van Nistelrooy's record and... I think they beat Chelsea as well. I think Leicester yeah. had, a, had some excellent players. You, you you have to give them that. I think what they've done in the last, probably under Nigel Pearson, really, because up until you know, up until the season before, it was a very similar scenario. The, the club had had sort of got themselves stuck in this yo-yo sort of system. It's exactly the same when I was there, and it, yeah. it, it was exactly the same when Nigel Pearson was there. They just about managed to stay up in that season before they won the league, didn't they? If they'd have gone down, got, oh, you know, nightmare. Yeah, you wouldn't have been. You wouldn't be talking about Champions League football now, and certainly wouldn't be talking about that. So, what they did do at that time, they sort of were brave, obviously, with with the you know the new the new ownership of the club, which has been fantastic and really sad what what happened in the end. But they started to get young players, and I think the club always needed that they needed to invest in some real good young talent that eventually would would come through and when they do come through you know really take off and I think that that's probably the sea change at, at Leicester really but that 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 moment that that season was just incredible you, you you'll never ever see that again in, in our lifetime well I think you might in a you couple of know. seasons when you Leicester never know. again James <laughs> not, not, not a team that's favourites to go down to win, to win. <laughs> <laughs> one in a hundred years that is but it is it is probably the best footballing, if not sporting, story 
that's ever been written. Yeah, Jamie? Yeah, Mirko's asked a question, the old Dutch Fox. He says, do you remember majority of your goals at Leicester and which one was your favourite one? Uh, I do remember m most of them. Um, what was my favourite one? Um, I quite like the one at Portsmouth away in that when we got promoted, I think it was February time, Portsmouth had a very good side. They beat us to the league that, that year. I might have been before Christmas. The turn and shot. Um, got a nice volley at Wolves in my final season. Um, yeah, probably the one at Leeds that got goal of the season. Yes. 2001, 2002. And that was the time I think Leeds got to semi-finals of the Champions League that year. Last minute equaliser, which was a good point for us. Yeah. Um, that probably, yeah, that the, the Leeds one is probably, uh, and every now and again you, you see it in Premier League years. I've you got could have said the Grimsby one that no one's uh, seen or remembers you scoring <laughs> before Muzzy school. <laughs> I've got a question here for you, James. This is a bit Leicester related and obviously with your scouting head on. Often fans think, why do clubs not go down into the non-league in, in England and, and look at some of these players. And it was eight years ago today that Jamie Vardy signed for Leicester. Um, obviously, Leicester paid a record fee for him. But do you ever feel like the players who didn't make it, everybody's into these 16, 18-year-old kids, even younger now. Do you think clubs should look down sometimes into the non-league? Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. If you look at, there's a stat at the moment that... Um, England's number one goal scorer and England's number one goalkeeper, i.e. Nick Pope, who's had the most clean sheets, both come out of non-league. And why clubs... Listen, you've got to be brave. And, and I think sometimes probably clubs stick their nose up at, at, um, at non-league players. But non-league players come into the game with such a hunger. You look yeah. at Vardy. Vardy's... If Vardy would have come for academy, he would not be anywhere near the player he is now. He, he just... He's just raw, plays on the edge, plays with his heart, um, you know, and, and has just got better and better and better. I, I think Vardy possibly is one of the, probably the best striker in the league on his day at the moment. Yeah, Tom? I'll say you talk about Vardy. I mean, we, we've had some gems and I think the big, best thing at the moment being a Leicester fan is seeing this young, young talent and it's been given a chance. I mean, it's not all English. We can't, you know, Sionchu's coming to the team after a year he didn't play any football. He's been a gem at the back. Uh, you look at Chowdhury, who's breaking into the team now. You've got Madison, Damari Gray on his day when he turns up. He could be a very good player. And if he, keep, if he can get some performances, we want to see it. Is, as a scout nowadays, when you're going to look at players, what are you looking for as a player? Is it the hunger? Or, or is there always, what can you offer the skill side of things? Listen, ultimately, you're, you're looking for everything. That, that's You're looking for a little bit of technique, a bit of pace. A um, bit of aggression physically. Can can they do it? Um, you're never going to find unless you're working for Real Madrid, Barcelona, or one. You're never going to find the perfect player. So you know you, you have to take a chance on on some players. And the main thing is, I think if you look at someone like Hardy, he's been given the environment at Leicester to to shine, uh, to come through. And, and it's like the young players coming through at the moment. You know they've been given the pathway and been given the chance. It's no young players if you don't give them a chance. Yeah, absolutely. We've got one, well, we've got two final questions, I think, for you here. Uh, Bishop on uh, is watching on Periscope. He says, if you can think back to 2003, James, when we got went up to the Premier League, did we sign too many players, do you think? Yes. I think, yeah, and I, I, I think it's a good, yeah, we, we did sign too many players and too many 
I don't too many old players. You know, we, we needed young players in the team. You know, we, we didn't have, um, you know, we just sold uh, Matt Piper, which was a, you know, the, the, the squad was crying out for players like that. Young players, bit of pace, bit of energy. Um, and we didn't. It was just all senior players that, you know, probably a little bit injury prone, most of them over 30. And the longevity in that just doesn't last. So um, probably the dynamics of it was wrong. OK, Tom. No, I'm just brilliant. No, thank you for coming on, Jane. It's been much appreciated to get in, in you know, learn the truth about Robbie Savage, finally. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully he didn't take too much money off the house. No, he, he should have done. He should have done. I'm still, I'm still paying for it now. But um, no. <laughs> I, I, I love Leicester. I, I had a brilliant time there. And I, and I really, it was a roller coaster, and it was never, never ever quiet at Leicester. And I, I still say that to this day. Leicester... For some unknown reasons, always been uh, in the papers, but I thought it was a top, top club, possibly the big, the biggest club I played for. Um, and at a time in my life where I think I was 25 when I came and left when I was 29, to so the, the peak of my time there, um, I'd have loved to have played a little bit earlier at the club, you know, under the Martin O'Neill and, and been around sort of a couple of years ago, but it it's, wouldn't, wouldn't have changed it for anything. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining us, James. It looks like the Premier League's hopefully going to start again. Is that, is that what you feel, James, should... Our safety in mind, of course, for yeah. players, officials and everybody. It, you know, obviously the Scottish League have, has wrapped up today, Celtic being crowned. What, what are your views on trying to get this finished? Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a difficult one, isn't it? And, and I think, you know, opinions are changing every day. I, I was a little bit, well, got to be careful here, but I, I watched a German football at the weekend and I know it's, there's no crowd, but, you know, we've just got to accept that at the moment. But it's brilliant to watch live football. I think there's a game on at the moment that I'll go, I'll go and watch. And I think, you know, when it's your team, you know, sitting at home tonight watching Leicester versus, you know, in, in a in a tie that matters because Leicester have got a lot to play for, it's it's better than nothing. That that has to be. And, and I do think it's it's as safe as what it can be. I, I think at the moment there's no no place in the world that's that's 100% safe. But it looks like we're we're slowly trying to uh, get control of this. Brilliant. Thanks from all the Leicester fans, James. It's been a pleasure having you on. We really appreciated your time. It was great watching you back in the day. And uh, really interesting to hear what you're up to now as well with the scouting aspect of things. Thanks a lot. Keep well. Cheers, James. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks a lot. We'll let James go. That was absolutely fantastic. Thanks for joining us. Chaps, another really, really interesting interview. We've had yeah. Keith Gillespie on a couple of uh, shows ago, and he's obviously a football agent. James Scowcroft doing the scouting now, uh, both still heavily involved in the game. So, Jamie, another really interesting one. We've had a full range of, we've had the whole lot, haven't we? Gone full circle with everything. Ex-footballers, then doing not a lot, scouting, coaching. We've had we've had the works, we've had different stories from everyone. It's been great, hasn't it? Yeah. And on Thursday, so on, on Thursday, we've got a... Stephen Oaks, who's now coaching out in America. So that should be a different side of it from there. I remember Stefan Oaks. You remember him, Tom? Oh, my. Stefan Oaks scored a, a goal in the 5-3, uh, 5-2 win, was it, against Sunderland? Uh, yes. Colin Moore got a hat trick that day. He uh, clipped the wall and went in. He uh, he didn't play lots of games for the club. He was another raw talent that came through with Pipes and uh, Jordan Stewart, I think, around the same kind of era. So it'd be great to have some stories from the Martin O'Neill days as a young, young player pushing to get into the team. Brilliant. Thanks, chaps. Thanks for joining us. We'll let you go now. Cheers, guys. Cheers, all. See you Thursday.
So thanks to Tom, thanks to Jamie for all their input as ever, their fantastic questions. Thanks for all your questions as well. Um, don't forget, join us Thursday when we'll be chatting with um, Steph Oaks and get your views and get your comments there. If you're watching on, I've got to do the socials. I always think of chappers around this time. He always says, go and follow us. Uh, he couldn't join us tonight, but he's here in spirit. So Chapa says, as ever, go follow Leicester Fan TV. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on YouTube. We're even on LinkedIn for UVM Business World. So go and see us on any of those. Follow us on uh, the website, LeicesterFanTV.com. And uh, stay tuned. Right at the end of this little video, there's some competitions. It is your very, very last chance on the website to enter them. So from me, Phil, keep watching Leicester Fan TV. See you soon. Come on, that's your lot. Time to go. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.